Hi there, Jordan with you, and this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, and I can't wait to introduce you to another spectacular guest today. Before we do, uh, just a couple of quick contact notes. You can reach me via email, jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, at chartproductions.com, where the program is produced. You can also find me on Twitter, at Jordan WBZ, which is my home radio station, and of course, Jordan Rich Show on Facebook. Today, I'm sitting down with a lovely gal who is a colleague and a friend. and We've known each other for, oh, dare I say it, over 30 years and have worked together throughout that span. Her name is Carolyn Armistead, affectionately known as Cal, Cal Armistead. And among all the other talents, and she's got many, she's a singer, she's an actress, she's a voiceover artist. We work with her extensively. She's also a very talented writer, and she has her first novel, and it's a young adult book that has gotten raves across the country. Teachers love it, students love it, parents love it. It's called Being Henry David. It's a debut novel, a story about a teen in search of himself. It involves history, literature, a little bit of magic. It's quite an intriguing tale. And just recently, it was launched as an audiobook, and we'll talk about that. So, Cal Armistead, let's go on, Mike. A published author, Cal Armistead, and a dear friend and a longtime associate. So nice to be able to chat with you about creative stuff. Oh, it's nice to chat with you about anything, Jordan. Well, thank you. <laughs> We've gone back and forth over the years as colleagues in the voiceover game, and you still work with Chart Productions, my studio, and you Love do a great job. All this time, who knew that you were writing the great American novel? Uh, not me. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrote a novel that has uh, luckily done well and, and been used in schools. And uh, so I've been very happy with what's happened. Yeah. Well, we're here to talk about that and future writings, but uh, very excited about the fact that Being Henry David has won all kinds of awards. It's yeah. been read now in schools throughout the country. And we can announce as well that it's now an audio book. Why yes. was that important in this it was important to me for several reasons. I kept hearing from teachers who said, I have uh, students who aren't particularly good readers, but this they, we would like them to listen to it because it, my book, uh, Being Henry David, was chosen as all school reads and all grade reads. And so all the kids were required to read it. And um, for the kids who find it a little harder to read, the teachers thought that would be a really helpful thing. And so I kept hearing over the years and over the years, and I kept asking my publishers, hey, what about this? And they said, well, that's not really our plan. <laughs> right. And so what happened recently is it's been um, long enough now that contractually I can just go ahead and do it on my own. And that's when I came to you guys. Can I put in a plug for you for, about Feel that? free. And uh, we, we found a great narrator. It was a delight doing it. And I'll tell you that young adult fiction is something that I think a lot of people try and don't really master. You've really nailed the, the, the story itself is great, but also the way you wrote it. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think part of that is because I have had some young adults in my home <laughs> and, and have been one. Uh, although the strange thing about this is that it's first person in a male point of view. So it's right. from a boy right. who's 17 turning 18 over the course of the book. But um, and you've I got two girls, if, if and I have two girls too. So people are That's like, "What research?" We'll talk about that. <laughs> let's let's focus on the story. And most people, if they're from New England, might have a sense Henry David is referring to Henry David Thoreau. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And even people outside of New England. But y you came up with this great story about a literary character and a, and a and a real historical character. But what happens in the book, basically? What happens in the book is this boy wakes up in Penn Station. The first line of the book is. The last thing I remember is now. 
So we are literally in his head, in the present tense, and we don't know where we are. We don't know why this boy is there and where he came from and uh, what the circumstances are. All he knows is he's got this bump on his head and a little, it's a little bleeding a little bit. Mm-hmm. He has no uh, belongings at all. He had a backpack. A, a, well, actually, he doesn't know that yet. But <laughs> um, somebody stole his backpack. He realizes that later. But uh, the only belonging that he has is a copy of Henry David Thoreau's Walden. It's the only clue he has to who he is. And so he figures, I've got to follow this. It's the only thing I have. And so he does end up going to Concord, Massachusetts, and he meets a host of characters there. And he reads all of Walden. And he goes to Walden. And he has dreams. Or is it a ghost? With Thoreau (laughs) It's it's touch of Twilight Zone and Catcher in the Rye, if you ask (laughs) me. Because it really is a story of of coming of age, ultimately. Yeah. It's – and – also an, a story of identity. Mm-hmm. He, this is a boy who has amnesia. Mm. Something happened to take away his memory. Something traumatic right, happened. Right. And so the way that his body and brain are dealing with it is to just cut off his memories about that particular situation. What makes it attractive, though, to school groups and teachers, I guess, is messaging and so forth. Bringing in Henry David Thoreau, bringing in Walden, bringing in some of these other characters from the golden age of literature arouses interest, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And and that was I think that's one of the reasons why it has done as well as it has is because teachers uh, look for something contemporary that their kids can read. And there's not a lot from a teenager's point of view about Henry David Thoreau. Mm-hmm. So my character comes along and reads all of Walden and remembers lines that come up during the course of the book because he becomes obsessed with this this book mm-hmm. and he's got a really good memory, <laughs> almost a photographic memory. And so he'll spout off all these mm-hmm. uh, these lines from Thoreau. And, uh, and so I weave those into the story as well. Now, you live in the area. How much of a personal connection have you had over the years with that? I have lived in Concord. I lived uh, for maybe about a year at my uncle's house while I was a young person trying to find my own way, which is, you know, the whole looking for your identity thing, which is maybe subconsciously why I wrote this character finding his way around Walden Pond, because that's where I found my way to adulthood Mm -hmm. was uh, doing research into the, I'd come to Boston and was looking for a job and all that, finding my adult self uh, in Concord, Massachusetts and walked around Walden a lot and went to the library uh, to do research into the jobs I wanted in radio or TV or newspaper. And uh, I would sit in that library and look at these weird statues of Bronson Elcott and, and Henry David Thoreau. And that all found its way into the book. Too. Yeah, those statues come alive and they really do exist. Yeah, yeah, they're really there. And they're, they are creepy. I mean, those the, the busts, you know, look like yeah. somebody's hacked off, you know, just their right, upper right. body. But um, yeah, and he has this horrible fever dream because he was stabbed. In uh, New York City, kind of a little spoiler alert there, but um, he was uh, hurt and so he is – it gets infected and he spends a night – he's hiding out all over Concord. He spends a couple of nights in the high school hiding out there because he needs shelter. He needs somewhere to stay. And then a night in the library where he has these horrible dreams and these statues come to life and scare the hell out of him. There's an element of supernatural to it, but it really is a story about discovering yourself, trying to find out who you are. And this case amnesia but it's it's a great metaphor for teenage angst well, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and also what goes on in our lives that causes us to 
to be traumatized. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you we're talking uh, about mysteries. What is the ultimate mystery? But who am I? Mm. You know, that's kind of like the ultimate mystery. And we find out through this this boy. That's his big question, because he really honestly doesn't know who he is and why he's in this situation. Uh, I'm going to put quotation fingers up. He's 17 years old and his name is Hank. Hank in quotes, yeah. In quotes, uh, Henry David Thoreau, Hank. Yeah. How that happens is that he meets <laughs> some street kids at Penn Station who befriend him and kind of take care of him and get him in trouble at the same time. But they ask him his name. They go, what's, what's your name, dude? And he looks down at this copy of Thoreau's Walden because he doesn't know his name. And so he goes, up to Henry David. My name is Henry David. Right. And the guy says, ah, you look like a Hank. You're, <laughs> you're Hank. It's really cool. The response, as I said at the beginning, is very positive. You've had teachers calling you and connecting with you. You've done talks and so forth. Why do you think this is working so well and resonating with the young readers? I think because there's a mystery involved, you know, from the first page, you're with this kid and you're, you know, you're in this public place and you're looking around and there's street people and there's, you know, the the uh, the cops, the transit cops and there's travelers and there's the big destination board and all mm. that. And it's this onslaught of sensations for this this boy. And so you're you're immediately like, all right, where the heck is this kid? Mm. And I think that draws kids in from the beginning. And then they they find out this book is there and they're they're curious about it. And I think that's what teachers like is a, so what is it about this book? We should add, Cal, that it's young adult fiction. That's the way it's sort of titled and labeled. But uh, adults can enjoy it and read it and yeah. perhaps enjoy it on a different level. Characters, uh, parents, teachers, and of course, Henry David himself. Yeah, and Thomas. Thomas is the Thoreau yes. interpreter who right. takes him under his wing uh, right. at Walden Pond. He meets him at Walden Pond. But um, what was the question? No, it was, was more it? of an observation. Oh. I mean, adults will find a lot to like about. This oh yeah, book. and a, a lot of adults have read it. I've been invited to several book clubs and uh, and have talked to uh, grownups about it. And a lot of people have commented on the Amazon page and yeah. given it five stars, which, uh, I, which is always good. I always well like deserved. <laughs> now, do you base characters when you're writing a book like this on people in Concord, people you know, people you hang out with? Well, a little bit. The um, Interestingly enough, I came up with this character of Con- of uh, Thomas, the mm-hmm. Thoreau interpreter. And I made him up in my head because I thought, how interesting to have like this historian guy who has tattoos and rides a motorcycle. And I thought, well, that would be, you know, kind of a different take on it that kids might find interesting. And then I went to Walden Pond and I just happened to ask the guy at the gift shop, you know, is is there a Thoreau interpreter (laughs) around that I can interview? And he looked at me and he said, do you mean like me? And he had tattoos down his arms. And he said, well, Thoreau was a rebel in his day. And I'm a rebel. I liked, you know, I liked punk rock when I was younger. Well, so <laughs> that says something about you and your perceptions and your ability to create characters. It turns out yeah. life imitating art. It's like, I made you other. up. What? You, you're, real. You're, you're real? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. um, the the character of, of Henry David Thoreau, the man himself, mm. uh, a great deal of this, you know, you base a lot of the book's sort of messaging on what he had to say. Yeah. Tell me more about him, because you obviously know a lot about him. Yeah, I learned a lot about Thoreau, and um, I learned about a lot of misconceptions people have about him. They thought he was a hermit, 
And he was only like a, a mile outside of town. He used to come to town all the time. People would go and visit him. Mm. But he wanted to live as close to nature as he could and survive on his own and really pay attention to the change of the seasons. And mm. that's why his book is so beautiful because it's so rich with his observations. Mm. So um, I really learned a lot about him and the fact that he was quite a curmudgeon and that he really was – you know, we weren't really sure about his sexuality, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was he um, – he apparently sort of fell in love with this woman that his brother also fell in love with, but nothing ever came of it. So he never really was linked romantically to anyone. I've often wondered if he was close with the others of his day, like Emerson and Longfellow and people of that ilk. Yeah. Uh, there have been some books written by local authors that involve that bunch as characters working together. Do you know anything yeah. about his associations? Not a ton, but I know that he and Emerson were close and that uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne was in their group. Hawthorne, right. And I know that Louisa May Alcott was younger than him by quite a bit, I think Mm -hmm. 16 years younger. That's not a bad group of uh, writers just oh, hanging yeah. out at the local pub some night. I mean, that's those at the are some, Colonial Inn, no those doubt. Are, those are some heavy <laughs> hitters, no question about it. You teased to me the fact that there may be more to this story coming up, coming out. Yeah. Well, ever since this book came out, um, I have been hearing from kids and adults and p- teachers and librarians about, wait a minute, there's more. I, I What happens after the end? And I thought that I'd kind of pretty much told the story. And it was only recently that I went, wait a minute, there is another story here. And so I am starting to work on that. This is this is hot off the presses, everybody. I mean, it's not even completed yet. It's, it's really it, – I'm very excited about it, though. That doesn't preclude the suggestion that you have a lot of other projects in the works. You uh, have told me, what, three to five books? Ooh, yeah. Well, I have three – novels that are completed, uh, two young adult novels and one middle grade novel that are in various stages of editing and being looked at by uh, editors and my agent. Mm. And and then I have three other projects that I'm working on concurrently right now. One is crazy. It's a, a collaborative novel with three other women. We all met mm. in grad school and we're oh, writing wow. a book about three women who met in grad school and there's a murder and that's we're almost done with that and about to have readers look We'd live uh, <laughs> here at the studio. We live probably 40 miles from where you live, something mm-hmm. like that. And I remember hearing a whoop when you got the publisher to say yes. Oh. I think maybe I'm just imagining that, but I thought I heard you go, yay. Oh, it's sure. very tough to, to get even someone to look at it, let alone publish it. It is. It is tough. And um, I do have these, these three novels that, you know, I thought, well, hey, I did it once. Then these are just absolutely going to be immediately published mm. but it's it's not easy i i uh i have very high hopes for the sequel since being henry david was so well received and sold so many copies i was really excited by that and so now uh, I'm working on the, the sequel. Doesn't it do your heart good to know that you've done something that will cause young people to pick up a book, whether it's an actual book book or a Kindle, whatever? They're reading. That's the great part. I remember when the Harry Potter craze happened, and it was so cool to see people lined up at midnight to buy books for their kids. Yeah. In a way, you've done some of that yourself with your own creation. Well, it's been exciting to hear from teachers that say that some of their uh, reluctant male readers in their class, I think it's harder to get boys to read than girls. And Mm. so having a male protagonist really helped this book along, I think. 
And um, and so I have heard from kids who say, oh, this is my the favorite book I've ever read. And I'm mm. so glad I had to read it. And parents who said my son had to read this for school and I wanted to read it, too. And loved it. So it's mm. it's been very rewarding. Well, we talked about this earlier, but you write in a boy's voice as yeah. the central character in first person. And that's a daunting task, I think, to write as a young person, but then somewhat of a different gender. How did you get into this kid's head? Well, you know, really, when it comes right down to it, it's not really that different from being a a teenage boy and being a teenage girl. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, there are differences. Mm -hmm. But in terms of getting down to identity and who I am inside, there's a lot of of uh, similarities. and universal concepts. Yeah. And I have two daughters, but they've had friends through the house. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an observant person. And I have also read a lot of uh, young adult fiction. And so... Yeah, I just kind of put myself, you know, it's like we're we do acting sometimes. And so I'm sure. just putting myself into that character. I'm glad you mentioned that uh, because you have been an actress for many, many years on stages. You also are a musician. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, well, I am. Musician is uh, I think that's using the term broadly. I'm a singer. I have tried to play guitar and flute and piano, and, and I'm not very good at instruments as much as I would love to be good at instruments for some reason. But singing is my instrument. And so I uh, was in a band for six and a half years, and we made it to finalists at the Boston Blues Challenge mm. uh, in 2012, which was pretty exciting. Or was it 2011? Anyway, around there. And uh, that was fabulous. I loved being in the band and making music and singing and getting to be the band chick. That uh. was about playing my little tambourine and some of the other things. And uh, I am currently in an acapella group also with uh, 12 people, and we perform all the time and have a blast together. Well, definitely living the the kind of life that an artist and somebody who's creative wants to live with the writing, with the voice work, with the singing and and uh, all the other things, including podcasts you're developing. So yeah. congratulations. Thank you. We should mention your website again, which is your name, Cal, C-A-L, Armistead, A-R-M-I-S-T-E-A-D.com. The book, Being Henry David, of course, is available everywhere. And now an audio version is available everywhere. Yes. That's cool. Fresh out of chart productions. Well, <laughs> happy to say we had a great time doing it and we couldn't have had a better client, quote unquote, to work oh, with than you. Oh, you guys were amazing. You're Being great. Henry David is a terrific read and it's making an impact. Thank you so much for joining me, Cal. Thank you, Jordan, for asking. On Mike with Jordan Rich produced at Chart Productions in Boston with technical assistance from Ken Carberry and Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media. You can connect with me on Facebook at Jordan Rich Show, on Twitter at Jordan WBZ, or email me Jordan at ChartProductions.com. And as always, thanks for listening and a reminder to be well so you can do good. Take care.